Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. Today, the show officially turns 100 with the launch of our 100th episode, Caden. If you're new here, thanks for tuning in to the Frary and Smith podcast. If you're a longtime listener, we want to say thank you for your continued support of the show. Regardless, though, if you're new or a longtime listener, here's a quick reminder about our last episode. It was the fifth episode in our season preview series. We spoke with Southern Miss head coach Will Hall about the upcoming season for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. If you haven't already, you're definitely going to want to take some time to give that episode a listen. Caden, it's time to celebrate 100 episodes. We started this show last September with the goal of becoming the premier Sunbelt football podcast. We've accomplished that. First of all, congratulations to you. And also, I want to take a moment just to say thank you for your friendship and for all the hard work you've put into this throughout this past year to help make this dream become a reality. Oh, no. All thanks goes to you, my guy. I think Harry Lyles introducing us together and you having the vision of what this podcast was going to be when you first spoke to me for the very first time. I saw it. We capitalized on it. And now we're here. I think the fact that we even have longtime listeners is something that's a little bit surreal to me. The fact that we have people that have been with us since the beginning through 100 that have continued to support us and give us all that support and keep adding to the collection as far as new listeners that love the podcast, love the Sunbelt, just like we do and can keep expressing that. So huge thanks to you, man. And of course, got to get 100 more now, right? Yeah, I mean, 100 is just the start. We're not going anywhere. The numbers are getting better and better as the Sunbelt football season approaches. Also want to take a moment to say a quick thank you to our talented graphic designer, Brett Jemis, who, who puts out all the great content on social media, our producer, Richmond Weaver, who makes these episodes sound good. Sometimes that's harder to do uh, than you would think. But Caden, special occasions are certainly meant to be celebrated. And today on episode 100 of the show, we're excited to do just that by welcoming one of college football's most recognizable names, Marty Smith, to the Frary and Smith podcast for this special bonus episode. If you're not familiar with Marty Smith's work, here's a quick primer. Marty began his career at ESPN covering NASCAR back in 2006. He covered the sport until 2014 when his focus turned toward covering college football. In addition to his work now on College Game Day as a sideline reporter and his work with ESPN's college basketball team, Marty plays a key role in ESPN's coverage of the Masters. He also currently hosts the Marty and McGee show with close friend Ryan McGee. Throughout his career, Caden at ESPN, he's been known for his passion, his kindness towards others, and incredible work ethic. And it's this formula that has allowed him to become one of the leading voices and personalities at the Worldwide Leader of Sports. Well, let's not waste any more time. Here's our interview with ESPN's very own Marty Smith. We are happy, pleased, blessed to be joined by the one and only Marty Smith. He wears many hats for ESPN and SCC Network. Marty, how are you doing? I am great, gentlemen. I appreciate you guys uh, giving me the time, and I love what you guys are doing. Uh, I'm thrilled and honored to be number 100. Well, Marty, many listeners might know about not might not know about our connection, but it dates back to the 2020 Myrtle Beach Bowl, where you, Eric McLean, Courtney Lyle, you said some very kind words about me and my journalism career that I was getting started. And now look at us. You're on my podcast. You're celebrating our 100th episode. Can't thank you enough for joining us, like we mentioned before. But how's your offseason been? What have you been up to when it hasn't been football season? We know you get really busy during the season, but what have you been up to this offseason? Well, first, about uh, about that Myrtle Beach Bowl, 
you, I don't know if you've mentioned this, Caden, on your show, but uh, he wrote a piece. I forget what platform it was on, brother, but it was about NIL and the portal and how it actually impacts players from the locker room level because a lot of us are uh, – we, we kind of think we understand what that is, but we're not, we're not in it. We're not living it. And what it really means – in terms of player rights and what it means in terms of opportunity for uh, development and advancement, not only professionally, but personally for these college athletes uh, who aren't major Power Five, NFL, NBA, WNBA prospects. And so it was very enlightening and educational for me. And I wanted to make sure that uh, I sent the whole world that was watching the Myrtle Beach Bowl to that piece so that they could learn as well. It was just really well done. And uh, I've admired you uh, far beyond the field uh, for the person you are and, and the acumen that you have on a broader plane. It's inspiring to me. But, yeah, I don't – off season for me, Caden doesn't really exist, I guess. Um, <laughs> I go straight from football. For me, the college football season is really mid-July to mid-January. That's kind of my calendar for college football because it begins for me with SEC Media Days where myself and my colleague, co-host Ryan McGee, go to the SEC Media Week and we get the blessing of sitting down these coaches, all 14 and soon to be 16 with expansion coming with Texas and Oklahoma, and we don't have to really dive into, okay, this person is supposed to be second on your quarterback depth chart. What do you like about that person? We don't have to do that. What we get the blessing of doing is talking life. Yeah, we talk some ball, but we talk about life. And that just is so inspiring and fulfilling to me and challenging to me. I feel like it's important that we're challenged in these careers because the second you're not challenged is the second you can become complacent. And I never want that to be me. So so that's where, kind of where my calendar starts, and it goes all the way through the national championship, the day after the national championship. And from there, I go right into college basketball broadcasting. And then I have my golf slate with the Masters for nine or ten days, and the PGA Championship for eight or nine days. Um, sometimes I'm doing the Kentucky Derby or Formula One in Miami during that window. And so it just doesn't – it really just continues to compound itself. But, uh, man, it, it, I grew up working on a cattle farm. It's uh, better than working for a living, gentlemen. What a blessing. Yeah, Marty, there's certainly no denying that for those of us in this industry to stay busy is certainly a privilege. Now, you shifted to cover college football back in 2014 after kind of making your name at ESPN covering NASCAR. You've been covering the sport now for nearly 10 years. What do you love most about college football? It'd be easier to say what I don't like. Um, I <laughs> The fact that I get to and again, do you guys know who Ernie Johnson is, the host of the TNT NBA show with Shaq and Barkley? Oh, yeah. Kenny Smith. Yeah. EJ is such an inspirational force. And he has this thing where he says, we have a get-to job, not a got-to job. And that is so true. 
I I get asked often, gentlemen, what my favorite thing to cover is. Well, that's a twofold answer. My favorite sport is college football. My favorite event is the Masters tournament. The the blessing that is every Saturday, every Saturday having the blessing of walking into these cultures, and they are cultures and they are identities that are so much bigger than the actual program. You look at at Appalachian State where Caden excelled. Those folks in Boone, North Carolina, man, that football program is their identity for so many of those folks. All the way back to Coach Moore and, and of course, uh, Satterfield and those guys all went on to, to Power 5 jobs, Eli. And now Sean is there. And, and I mean, Sean is that place. He played there. He is that place. And it, it's just the most beautiful energy. And I don't just go to Appalachian State or, you know, JMU. I know you guys like to focus on the Sun Belt, but I get the blessing of going to Bama and Georgia and Knoxville and Oxford and Saturday night in Death Valley. And it's the most electric energy, and you're reminded often of how much it means to those folks. And that's one of my favorite parts of this. But my favorite part of it is the people. It's the people with whom I work. It's the young men and women that I get the blessing of of sharing their stories. This preseason, I've already done massive College Game Day feature interviews with Drake May and his family at the University of North Carolina and Jordan Travis uh, in Tallahassee, Florida. And the the unbelievable character, I say all the time, guys, the most underreported and underappreciated part of college athletics is the quality of the, is the character of the young men and women playing the games. And, and I mean it. And I get the blessing of being the vehicle on all these different ESPN platforms of sharing that amazing grace that these young people have. Marty, that was beautifully said. I think you got everybody listening definitely excited for college football season, even more than they probably already were with that note. But along with your various roles, like you mentioned at ESPN, you also co-host with your guy, McGee, throughout the offseason, throughout the college season. You get to do that with a longtime friend. I'm sure you all have a special bond. Uh, what's that relationship like and what's it meant to you over the years? <laughs> it is interesting, Caden, because... He and I met about 25 years ago. Neither of y'all were even born yet. Um, <laughs> and when we met, I was a 21-year-old kid right out of school. I was chasing race cars because I have, I, I was about to use the word had, I have great passion for NASCAR racing, even still, even though I'm not in the day-to-day minutiae anymore. Uh, Back then, I saw NASCAR as the fastest vehicle to a big-time job. I couldn't see a path in college football yet. I couldn't see a path in the NFL or NBA or any of that. I thought NASCAR is exploding. I mean, at that time, gentlemen, the trajectory of the sport was a rocket ship. 
and it was Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon and Rusty Wallace and, you know, all those guys. And so that's where I hitched my wagon, took a little newspaper job, and I met McGee. And he and I, even though we're very different people, and we are very different people, we have this amazing relationship that immediately I noticed was very rare. And it's remained so as his career has exploded, as I've had the great opportunity for people to believe in me, and I'm one of these guys that if you give me an opportunity and you crack that door, I am kicking the son of a bitch down. And that is how I live my life. I live my life full send. And not everybody likes that. Not everybody appreciates that energy. You look at guys like David Goggins, who lives his life full send in every way. There are people who don't always like that energy. And that's okay. We're, we're not all made the same way. But McGee and I play off each other so well. And in 2013, I thought I would love to just have some kind of platform with him. He and I were actually riding to a NASCAR race together in my truck. And just the conversation confirmed for me there could be something kind of interesting here. And I called the, the lady who ran podcasting at the time. Podcasting in 2013 was still sort of a new medium. And for whatever reason, even though NASCAR was this niche kind of area, this lady was kind enough to go, you know what, you guys have something interesting. Just go do it. And that podcast, which was called Marty and McGee, then, two summers later, I think two summers later, we got a call from ESPN Radio. Hey, do you guys want to do the three to five block on Saturday afternoon? Holy cow. Okay, so we're going to blow up our Saturdays with this window. Yes, we're all in. We'll do it. And then we got the blessing two or three years after that. When they called and said, we want you guys to do seven to ten in the morning, we knew, okay, this is huge because everybody's listening when they're taking Junior to travel baseball or going to get the donuts for their family. And then they put us on TV. And when they put us on TV, it was just a, it was over. I mean, it was a wrap because we knew we had a very unique thing. We believe that we speak to a demographic that is yearning for like the way we sound and the 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 lives that we've lived growing up again we're very different people i grew up in the very rural south and i worked on a farm we my family farm and his father was a university president and so we just had we we have we have similar sensibilities as it were but we're very different people and i'll be honest with you I want you guys to know this. Y'all have a show together. We have made it, McGee and I have made it very, very important that we champion one another's successes and that jealousy never creeps in. Because the second jealousy enters the room, what you have that's so special 
is tainted. And you can't let it happen. And I mean, I have openly called him on the phone multiple times and just like, dude, con- like, congratulations. That is awesome that you got that, that you were nominated for this Emmy or got that writing award. I'm proud of you. Congrats on your new book that you just wrote. Because, man, if you let it in this world, in this industry, egos are everywhere. It's going to compromise and impact the spirit of who and what you are. And you can't let it or it's dead. Well, I really appreciate that advice. I, I too can echo just how much fun it's been to, uh, you know, do a show with uh, someone who's become a friend uh, in this industry. Um, Marty, skipping all the way down to kind of your visits to App State, they've been uh, well documented and have included your now iconic <laughs> leap into the duck pond. Yeah. Uh, you've been to Boone now on numerous occasions. Where does that environment and overall atmosphere oh, stack up against some of the other campuses you've been on? Well, that day was just you couldn't have you couldn't write a movie script that was more special for a university at that level than that day for Appalachian State University. Because college game days there, they win in the fashion that they won that day. It was just magic and that place is special uh my son is a rising senior in high school we have visited app twice because uh i think that that is a place that would really be good for him the thing that separate like i've been i've had again the blessing of going everywhere appalachian state has a very unique energy it is genuinely open arms to be who you are. And that's very rare, gentlemen. Whatever you are, come on. Doors open. We welcome you. And I, I felt that when I was there for the college game day experience that you mentioned. And it was confirmed when I took Cameron up there uh, for a visit. And so I love it there. I think it's a I think it's a very special place. I think their program is iconic in so many ways. I still, I mean, everywhere I go, people are asking me about belly flopping in a full suit into that I I call it uh I call it the the bird bird bathroom. I mean, I basically jumped in a big old pile of duck doo doo. Um but it's amazing. <laughs> It's just amazing to me how that lives on. I have two two moments that just seem to live on forever. One is the Paul Feinbaum haircut clip at Auburn during SEC Nation, and the other is belly flopping into that pond in a full suit. But, I, I mean, I, I don't know how I could speak more highly of that program. I know that the fan base is, has very high expectations. Sean Clark has said to me in the past that he's it's basically uh, baby Alabama, that if you don't win and contend and win, you know, win championships, it ain't good enough. That's the expectation of the fan base. And I know last year was a disappointment in a lot of ways for that fan base. And, and uh, I just – I have – I couldn't I couldn't speak more highly of Sean Clark. I just think he's an amazing person and a great football coach. And young men like Caden are blessed that 
they have His tutelage in their life's path. Um, I just love the place. I can't speak more highly of it, Noah. And definitely echo a lot of what you said about App State. We really appreciate you being almost an ambassador for the school because a lot of people don't know what special, how special it is up there unless they've been. We win, we swim, boys. <laughs> I need to make residuals off them t-shirts, by the way. <laughs> we, can get you set up, we can get you set up on King Street. I'm sure someone will sell some, some Marty Smith t-shirts on there for sure. But you were, on the, you were on the sidelines for App State's game as well against Coastal Carolina in 2020 at Coastal Carolina. It was a little bit toned down of the atmosphere because of COVID, but you could definitely viscerally feel the back and forth of the game, how competitive it was. Could you maybe speak to games like that in the Sunbelt that exist that you've been to, or maybe just the environment at Coastal Carolina as well compared to an App State? The programs in that league are so strong. Um, you know, you look at what they're doing at Troy. Um, Coastal has become... A, a national brand in a lot of ways after that year that they had where, you know, you beat BYU at home with a young man behind center who wound up being the number two pick in the draft. Um, and the mullets and the whole thing. Um, to me, App was already a huge brand because of the Michigan victory 2007 at the big house. But, you know, then you, you come back and, 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 I mean, the, the Texas A&M victory is, is obviously iconic in Boone. But I don't know what it is about Appalachian State. Maybe it's that I grew up in the region. That brand was already big for me. Um, but some of these other Sunbelt brands, I mean, you look at what JMU is doing. I mean, they can't compete for postseason play yet. Uh, you guys have probably addressed that a million times on your show here. But had they had the opportunity to play for a championship in 2022, it would have been all hell broke loose. Uh, you know, Coastal got that opportunity, and JMU beat Coastal by 40. So what they're doing is very special. Um, they have a young man on the edge. He wears number 44. I've watched tape. I'm not great at names until I have to be. I know I'm a broadcaster and should be great with names. They got a kid on the edge who is going to play in the league, I think. Uh, you guys probably could tell me his name right off the top of your head, but I just think that league is – I mean, Marshall is another brand that is a, is already a national brand all the way back to Randy. And so I just really think what they did, in, you know, with Notre Dame. <laughs> so it's uh, – I mean, it, it, it you better not sleep on that league is what I'm telling you. And I just I, – I, where we are in college football right now is such a unique place. Because you look at those programs that, that I mentioned, those great programs in the Sun Belt, we could talk about the MAC, we could talk about the Mountain West, whatever, right? A lot of those, those programs are going to get, as we progress here, young men that were really good high school players who just didn't, who signed at Power Five programs, who maybe just didn't. Like we're on that thin line that maybe didn't get run at the Power Five level or only a little run. And they transfer over to a Sun Belt or a MAC or one of those, those leagues, right? And then there's the other side of it. The young men that maybe were overlooked in the recruiting process who signed at one of those Sun Belt, MAC schools that all of a sudden – the Power Five 
uh, schools go, holy bleep, we missed on this one. Let, let's see if we can get them to jump in the portal. So it's just such a transient world right now that um, there's, you can find so much talent at every level. Now, you know, Marty, kind of staying on that topic, this is, you know, a wild time in college football. We've seen USC and UCLA heading to, you know, the Big Ten. We've seen uh, Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. Uh, Now we're seeing a lot of Big 12, Pac-12 action. Um, What are your thoughts on this conference realignment era and what it ultimately means for the future of college football? Well, it's seismic. Um, I remember uh, being, I was with Greg Sankey the day that the news broke that Texas and Oklahoma were joining the Southeastern Conference. It was, uh, it's, it's very rare that you get shocked anymore in sports media. I mean, genuinely shocked. That one was one that shocked me. Same goes for SC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. Genuinely shocked me. This Colorado move back to the Big 12, not shocking to me. Um, if, yeah, this is still an if, if Oregon and Washington or Florida State or whomever is in that headspace right now that they're trying to solidify their future in another league, if they do that, I won't be surprised because we've now conditioned ourselves to, okay, the Big Ten grant of rights is nine figures per school starting next year. The SEC grant of rights for each member institution is 90 plus million starting next year. And if you're an ACC school and you're signed with ESPN in your grant of rights through 2036 and that number is 40 million, think about the compound number, gentlemen. Let's just compare Alabama and Clemson, okay? Alabama and Clemson. They've played each other for national championships in very recent history. Starting next year, as we sit right now. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, right now, as we chat, it's 9.55 in the morning. By 3.55 in the afternoon, this may be an obsolete comment. We don't know. Right now, starting in 2024, Alabama's going to make 90 plus million from their television revenue, grant of rights revenue. Clemson's going to make 40. Just multiply it by two, gentlemen. You're talking about 190 million to Alabama and 80 million to Clemson. Multiply it again. The, the numbers just, they, they don't work. And so it's a very troubling time for member institutions that aren't in the SEC and the Big Ten because of just where it is. Now, Brett Yormark, the new commissioner of the, of the Big 12, is someone that I've known since I was in my early 20s because when I started at NASCAR, Brett was a vice president at NASCAR. I've known him a really long time. He's a really sharp guy, a really aggressive guy, and is fearless to go get what his vision is. So I actually feel like the Big 12 – even though a lot of us, myself included, I'm guilty, kind of pronounced them left for dead when SC and UCLA went to the Big Ten. I was wrong on that. I think that, that he is very bullish and should be. Um, it's a, I mean, you, put, you do all this alignment, and then you 
couple it with NIL and portal, which there, there are almost literally no rules. We're in a position now where states have the ability to pass legislation that benefits schools, universities within their state lines. It's, I called it the Wild West a year ago at an event, and it was an event where I was with colleagues of mine at ESPN who played college football at the highest level. And they scoffed at the term Wild West. They believe it's the free enterprise market. I feel like it's the Wild West. Yeah, what I've been calling it, Marty, is kind of everything, everywhere, all at once. Because I think everyone likes NIL, the transfer portal, some realignment stuff, maybe individually. But then when you pair it together and have different rules for everything, it definitely makes a little bit of a mess of it. But on that same note, talking about conference realignment, Marty, the Sun Belt's kind of pivoted in the opposite direction. They've added more teams that make geographic sense and program fits and kind of leaning into the regional rivalries. How do you feel about the conference heading in that direction and kind of keeping that desire to have those regional rivalries and keep things more to the ground? At that level, it's genius. At that level, non-Power 5 football, to me, I think that's where you lean in heavy because that is what galvanizes universities, fan bases, and television partners, which is vital today. Now, what's coming with the Power 5, I don't know. But I think G5 programs... Caden, I love that. I think, like again, I just I, uh, going back to the Sun Belt specifically. Those brands are so strong right now, and they're only gaining more interest and, to me, more leverage if they do that and you lean into that. Like, I think one of the smartest things that that we've seen is. Non-Power 5 conferences leaning into, hell yeah, we'll play on Tuesday night in the MAC. Hell yeah, we'll play on Thursday night in the Sun Belt. Whatever that league is. Because if you can take those regional rivalries with, again, great players, players that are really fun to watch, great coaches, marketable coaches, and then you put it on a national platform where college football fans are voracious. They don't care. But if, if, if I will watch anybody, man, I don't care who it is. I'll watch. If it's a college football game, I'm watching it. And I, there are only a couple of entertainment platforms that, I, that, that apply to me that way. I'll watch any golf tournament. I'll watch any college football game, and I'm a NASCAR guy, so I'll watch any NASCAR race. There ain't no Netflix shows I'll watch them all. There ain't no miniseries I'll watch them all. But I'll watch those three things. And I, I, I think it's a, a smart business move, to your point, Caden, that they've taken that approach. Now, Marty, given some of those brands that you just mentioned in the Sun Belt, and then you look at an American conference that, you know, has lost to UCF and a Cincinnati to the Big 12, some on this podcast and beyond have started to crown the Sun Belt as that premier group of five conference. What are your thoughts on that statement? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have all of the information right in front of me, but if you just look at it on the surface, again, App, 
Coastal, Marshall. I mean, these are JMU. They're monster brands. They are. So, I mean, just on the surface, I don't know that I could dispute that sentiment. Uh, I'm probably missing some... Like, I know that Georgia Southern, for example, I know that, that like that's a massive brand. I'm missing some massive brands at the G5 level. But going back to the expansion comment you said there, like some of those universities that are that are that were at the elite G5 level are now reaping those benefits. And I don't think I don't know that that's done. So it's going to be again fascinating to see how this continues to unfold because there's so much opportunity for established brands. Brands now that's the word at the G5 level who may have an opportunity in the future to really take a jump like the universities you mentioned did. Now, Marty, moving off the field a little bit, we've seen it and we've kind of peeped from afar. You've got a pretty extensive Jordan collection. I know me and Noah are both fans of the footwear and some sneakers as well. We have to ask, what are some, what are some of your favorite <laughs> pairs of J's you have right now? Um, well, I, so I do have a whole lot of J's. I'm in the 70-plus range. And I do want to say this, too. I feel like I was in that world early. I feel like everybody in the free world is wearing J's now. Am I wrong, wrong, fellas? Like, everybody's wearing them. Hey, you made it cool to wear with suits. I don't – well, okay, I will – thank you for saying that, Noah. I do – I will take that. I will take that endorsement because I got mocked. Early on in the, why, this guy wears Air Jordans with tailored suits. Like, what the hell is that? And now, everybody's doing it. So I'll take that endorsement. Um, favorite pairs. Um, I am a 1, 3, 4, 11 guy. Like, I have, those are my, my four staple pairs. I do have a bunch of fives. I have, um, let me see, I have a couple pairs of twos. I don't have a lot of twos, but I got a couple pairs of twos. Um, trying to think of what else I have besides. One, three, four, and 11 are, are really my go-tos. I have some nines. I do like nines, but everybody loves Concord 11s. Those are like the, the ultimate. Bread 11s are probably the greatest sneaker of all time, probably. Um, I have two pairs of Bread 11s on ice that I've never even taken out of Smart the box man. yet. I might tonight, I'm, I'm doing an event tonight at the University of North Carolina with Mac Brown, the head coach there, and Eric Church, the country singer, who's one of my best friends. And I have a pair of of five uh, of Car- they're just Carolina blue fives. Like they're just Carolina blue. They're still on ice. I might have to bust those off ice tonight. We shall see. But yeah, I would say I'm in the seventy ish range. Caden and I mean I'm not done. I want it. my wife just shakes her head. I mean she's just like what what's wrong with you? And I've now. Pass that down to the next generation. My son is also a sneakerhead now. I think he would tell you 
cool gray 11s are his favorite pair. Um, I got him those for Easter last year, I think. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I should take this computer upstairs in my closet and show y'all. You would just, it's just, bo- and I keep everything in boxes. It's just ridiculous. Uh, DJ Khaled, I am not, <laughs> but I have a lot of J's. Well, I, cer- I certainly feel like uh, that might have to be a separate episode. Maybe when we hit 200, we can uh, go down through your uh, your shoe drawer. But Come on with it, man. I-, I know I was one of those guys early on that didn't love the Jays with suits. I've since become a believer, uh, and you you changed my mind on that. Um, Marty, another fun question here. I'm a guy who puts some time into his hair. I've got to know what type of gel are you using, and what does that routine look like in the morning? Yes, uh, a common misconception, Noah is that I spend a lot of time on my hair (laughs) and that McGee doesn't spend a lot of time on his hair. I really spend no time on my hair. There is this product called American Crew Forming Cream. It comes in this little like dip-looking can, like dip uh, can-looking canister. And it's just this like, like white textured. It's not gel, but it's not like pomade. And I literally do this, and I walk out the door. That's it. And McGee, like it's like Aquanet and a hair dryer, and it's a in very involved process. <laughs> I am blessed tremendously with now my hair's turning gray. At a very rapid pace. I'm cool with that. I'm down with it. My wife thinks it looks hot. Uh, other ladies have told me that dudes, we can get away with gray hair, that it looks distinguished, that it, it you know, all those like fancy words. Um, as long as you don't lose it. And I am very blessed that I got a lot of hair. So that is my pro- go to product, Noah, is. American Crew Forming Cream. I don't have an NIL deal. I should. I have promoted them constantly when this question arises. Hello, American Crew people. Call me. We'll definitely get this to our listeners so they have some hair tutorials and tips, and we'll get this to American Crew as well so we can get you a deal. But (laughs) we'll end with this, Marty. A couple of years ago, you put out Never Settle, which landed landed on the New York Times bestseller list. I know you shared with some nuggets from that book and some of your life philosophies with me the first time we talked. But now this fall, you're releasing Sideline CEO. Can you give us a little sneak preview of what to expect from that book from you? Absolutely. And thank you for asking, Caden. Um, so this book is a very different experience from Never Settle. Never Settle was an extremely vulnerable text where I shared a whole lot of myself And I'm so full of gratitude with the response to that. I was told by the great author John Gordon that Never Settle would take on a life of its own. And it did. I never, I always thought, I expected the feedback to be, man, that's neat that you met Cristiano Ronaldo or you met Nick Saban and you spent time with that person and they told you this. That has not been the feedback at all. The feedback to Never Settle has been, I needed hope. I needed something to hold on to, to buoy me emotionally. That book offered it. And I've even gotten feedback 
that said, you saved my life. And when you get that kind of feedback, I get it. Uh, like it's, it's shocking. It's very shocking. Letters show up in my mailbox at least a couple days a week. I don't know how people get my address. It's a little scary sometimes, but the messaging is beautiful and humbling beyond words. I'm so full of gratitude that it offered that. Sideline CEO was an idea that I first had in 2018. This title just popped in my head. It's a badass title. Sideline CEO. And I've had the great blessing of learning leadership from the greatest to ever do it. Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Mac Brown, Urban Meyer, Jimbo Fisher, uh, John Calipari, Roy Williams. These are people that are championship established leadership minds. And so I thought, all right, I want to leverage the relationships I've built through my job at ESPN to try to get a forever text of these leadership principles with these amazing championship it sat on the shelf for a while, and then COVID hit. And when COVID first hit and we were all shut down, I worried. Like, I, I mean, you know, you can't help but start to worry after six weeks. Like, what if sports doesn't come back? Well, how am I going to keep food in my kid's belly and a roof over their head? I got I to gotta control my controllables. And I felt like, one of my controllables was those relationships. And I thought, well, hell, if I'm, if I'm this bored and I'm trying to be this intentional with my time, maybe they are too. I picked up the phone and called Mac Brown. 53 minutes later, I'd gone to a master class. I spent the next day transcribing that interview and really thought, wow. This is, this is really interesting content. The next day, I called Urban Meyer. 57 minutes later, it was undeniable. And I went full steam ahead. All right, so I then interviewed three more coaches and sent it to my publisher. He didn't get it. He's like, I don't know about this. I'm not sure. Because I really hadn't drilled down the execution of the book. Well, during COVID, I made it a mission to read a book every 10 days because I did not want to be in this thing. Mm. I did not want to live in my phone and an hour pass, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I lost an hour scrolling through some social media platform. One of the books that I ordered during COVID was called I Want My MTV. I'm an old man. MTV, like I was alive when MTV was born and during its heyday. And so I lay down in bed one night. Wife was already asleep. I start reading this book. And a light bulb went on because it was an oral history of MTV. It was like the CEO of Viacom, three sentences. David Lee Roth, two sentences. One of the VJs, a sentence. Da 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 da, right? Light bulb went off. I got up out of bed and started writing right then. And. Then last fall, September 22, my publisher calls me and goes, dude, I need a book for next October. I want you to do this. He has all these ideas. 
We started batting ideas back and forth. And then I said, no, sideline CEO, the thing I pitched you two years ago is the one. He's like, what's that? I said, let me send it to you. So I sent him the five coaches that I had at the time in the leadership silos that I had at the time. And he wrote me back, or he called me and goes, this is it, go do it. And you got four months to get it done. So I broke the book. That, that, that is the true backstory on how it unfolded. And I interviewed 20 amazing leaders uh, on what is leadership, culture, communication and listening, self-evaluation, evolution, crisis management, all of these silos. And it's an it's a oral history kind of with all of those amazing leaders. I mentioned a few already. Tom Izzo's in the book. Patty Gasso, who just won her seventh national title at Oklahoma women's softball. Kim Mulkey, who just won her fourth national title with LSU women's basketball. It's insane, this list of leaders all in one place. And it has deeply impacted my daily walk, and my prayer is that it deeply impacts my readers I believe it will. You can pre-order it on Amazon right now. It's called Sideline CEO, Leadership Principles from Championship Coaches. And uh, fulfilling doesn't even begin to describe how special that project is, was and is and will be for me. Well, I know I'm certainly looking forward to uh, getting my hands on a copy of that book when it comes out. Marty, this has been a blast. We've enjoyed having you on the Ferry and Smith podcast today, chopping it up about some college football and life. So, Thanks for taking uh, nearly 45 minutes out of your schedule to uh, join us on the pod today. I appreciate you both so much. Uh, Best of luck with this project. If I can help in any way moving forward, please let me know. And I hope everybody has an amazing day. You control every day. I've said this to Caden before. There's not a lot that we control in this daily walk, but we control kindness, we control effort, and we control passion. We decide how kind we're going to be to other people every minute of every day. We decide if we're going to outwork other people every minute of every day. And we decide if we're going to have undeniable positive energy. Those are ours. If you do those three, you can't lose. Have a great day, my friends. Thank you all. Caden, I don't know about you, but that was probably the first time in podcast history where I was a little bit nervous to go on an episode. Marty's a big name, and uh, he certainly paid off the uh, the lofty billing with that episode. The sideline CEO gets it done every time, No, I think the, that's the kind of the first feeling I had. I FaceTimed him after that bowl game, and just having Marty Smith on FaceTime was unreal in the moment, especially as someone who was still in college who had aspirations of being in the journalism game. But he never disappoints. I knew he was going to drop some knowledge on us, and I just love our conversation with him and love that the people got to listen to that. Okay, and all I'm going to say is he gave you a pretty full-throated endorsement on that article that you wrote. I think uh, that is something that probably has to go on your career demo reel at this point. Yeah, it's definitely one of the biggest ones I've ever had. One of the best ones I had. I was able to write for Sportico, the sports business publication, when I was in college. I have some connections through there and just give my perspective on NIL. And that was definitely, definitely a big thing as far as opening some doors for me, opening a door with Marty, especially as well. And definitely all those little things, whether it was meeting Marty, some of the other connections I had and just some of the other stuff that I did in college was really happy just to see that kind of come full circle in this moment and many other moments throughout this podcast journey for sure. Yeah, 100%. I loved your line at the beginning. Just, you know, a couple years ago, you're a kid reaching out and now he's coming on our podcast, which is neat. 
Caden, it was really interesting to kind of hear his thoughts about the Sun Belt as a whole, the brands, and how they've established themselves in this ever-evolving uh, world of college football. Yeah, Marty always has a great pulse on college football as a whole, and he doesn't exclude the smaller conferences. He doesn't exclude the bigger conferences. He he doesn't discriminate at all. He loves to talk about it all, and I think it was just great hearing his perspective because I feel like me, you, and him kind of do align in a lot of the in a lot of ways as far as the direction of college football as a whole just the conference realignment stuff and the direction the Sun Belt's going in versus the rest of the conferences. So I think it's going to be an interesting future for college football moving forward for the Sun Belt and beyond. And I'm just going to be really fascinated how guys like you, me, and Marty continue to cover this sport, continue to cover it through its changes. Okay, and here's my only question for you. I want to know how much you uh, paid him to call App State baby Alabama. <laughs> Listen, I could not have gotten more of a glowing endorsement for my alma mater than Marty. I did not expect him to go that hard as far as speaking great about App State, but you know I was eating it up. I know App State Nation's going to eat that up, and I can't wait for more of that content to be used for us for sure because he he might be the best ambassador we have now. I think we've had some country music artists and some great people and some great football players and athletes that have endorsed App State, but Marty's Marty's seal of approval is not not one that that's, def, that's definitely taken lightly ever for sure. Well, Caden, what do you say when we record episode two hundred? I think we need to make our way up to Boone and maybe we'll dump it, or we'll jump into the Doo Doo Pond uh, to celebrate uh, that milestone. Well. That will do it for another exciting episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to give a special shout out to ESPN's Marty Smith for joining us on today's show. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast tomorrow. Our season preview series makes its latest stop in Huntington, West Virginia, as we catch up with Marshall head coach Charles Huff to talk about the Thundering Herd's upcoming season. Here's one final thing. Whether this is your first time listening to the show or you're a longtime listener, if you enjoyed today's episode, here's all we ask. Share this podcast with at least one of your friends. If each one of you do just that, we'll double the listenership of the Prairie in Smith podcast. Help us help you by continuing to grow the show. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Prairie. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.